You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast. We read them so you don't have to, because the door is locked from the outside. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, of whom all work and no play makes a dull boy. Benedict, you can get a gift card to any American family-style restaurant chain. What would it be? What? Are, okay. What do we? I, I was actually saying it's a it's a, it's a hundred dollar gift card. I was, American family style I was, restaurant chain. We were we were actually just talking about this the other day and uh-huh. like trying to so figure because out because of your fancy new Denny's mug. Yeah, Kevin <laughs> bought me a Denny's mug. Everyone, uh, I wanted. I got you a mug that says Denny's on it. I wanted to find you an actual Denny's mug, but I couldn't fucking find one anywhere. So yeah. you just have a, a mug that says Denny's, which is boring. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, I'm a citizen now, which is why that happened. So uh-huh. I don't think we've recorded since then. So that's cool. <laughs> yes, nope. Um, Benedict is officially an American, and they can't take it away now. They unfortunately can, <laughs> but it's harder. Um, Much harder. <laughs> yeah, so that's why we did that. Uh, no, we were just talking about this the other day because we were trying to figure out what we think is like the best American chain restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... When you say family style, does that just mean any like chain restaurant, I mean, or does it like, have to be family like family? Anything style? except for you know Hooters or yeah, yeah. There's a similar chain out here called I think Twin Peaks. Twin which Peaks. Is just I heard stupid. about that recently. It's so stupid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I literally I had never heard about it. I was yeah. driving. It's a Midwestern drove, thing, I think. Yeah, when we drove into St. Louis, me and my little brother, I saw one. I'm like, what? That can't. That do they just really like David Lynch? He's like, <laughs> no, it's like, it's about boobs. They're talking yeah. about boobs. I'm like, oh, that's fucking dumb. Great. That's so stupid. In my head, I haven't Googled the logo, but in my head, it's just like two piles of whipped cream with like a cherry <laughs> on top of each one. And I, ref- I will not Google the logo because otherwise it will ruin that impression. Of yeah, I know that's much better than what it actually is. <laughs> um, so I think... I forget what we said, but I think probably if I was getting a gift card, it would probably be uh, Chili's. Oh, Chili's. You love you those uh, baby back ribs. I love that baby back baby back. Yeah. <laughs> Don't! Copyright infringement. There you go. It was only a second. It was less than a second. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that. I. What are others? Just name a few others and I'll tell oh, you if God. they're better there's, than there's Chili's. So, there's so many, right? Applebee's, TGI nope. Fridays, nope. Outback Steakhouse. Maybe Outback uh, Steakhouse. I've heard, I've never been to Outback Steakhouse, but I've heard it's good. It's, I mean, it's, here's as, the thing. As chains, the, the food, as chains the, go. The, the food at all of these restaurants is identical. Yeah. There is really no difference unless you go to like, 
I, I you know some of them have like a Mexican theme, so it's more you know. I think Chili's Chili's is technically southwestern, right? Yeah, the, I think yeah. that's that's what they go for, right? But like the food is fucking identical. TGI Fridays and Outback Steakhouse are serving the same steaks from the same providers. Probably. They're not making it. The difference is like the the little specialty thing, right? So like TGI Fridays has like their. Uh, 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 mozzarella sticks and mm. baked potato skins and uh, Outback Steakhouse has the bloomin' onion, right? Yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. Always have, they all have a little specialty that's supposed to bring you in and there's like Olive Garden, which is just like, go shit yourself. I don't give a <laughs> shit. Um, but, you know, the, the point is they're all the fucking same. There's not any appreciable difference between any of these. That's true. I uh, Speaking of Olive Garden, I recently had one of the worst Italian meals of my life. <laughs> And really? it, it was not at Olive Garden. So it was surprising. We, yeah, I know. We went on this, uh, this, we went to, um, like a national park recently. Yep. You're on vacation. I was on yes. vacation. And, and we went to this restaurant that was like, had this gorgeous view of the lake with the mountains in the background. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, first of all, we were like, they probably And, and you, you quite nicely uh, sent me a photo while I was in the midst of the bar exam showing me how beautiful your surroundings that... were while I was in Columbia fucking Missouri. I um... really appreciated it. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that that was revenge for you making fun of England losing the World Cup, first of all. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe, maybe I deserved it. So... Um, the so this restaurant we were like okay that view is gorgeous i bet the food is only okay because you know how restaurants phone things in when they have like one yeah, like yeah. if they have a gorgeous view they don't need to do good food because people will come for the view like but, if they have the good view and the good food you would know about them yeah already. exactly yeah. exactly so we went and we were like okay this will be like a semi-fancy meal because surely the food can't be that bad so we were like kind of dressed up and then um, we we got in and uh, put our table in, and there the first thing we saw was two columns, and you're like, oh, columns, and then on the other side, dollar bills stapled to them. <laughs> so we were like, we may have misjudged the what character. Was it fucking prom night. Yeah, the, the, we may have misjudged the character of this of this restaurant. So then we go and sit down, and it's uh, it's it's very uh, shabby chic, let's say, but without without being <laughs> cool. Was this place called Olive Garden? Yeah. There was an umlaut Ol- over the o- A. Olive, <laughs> Olive Jardin. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, they turned it French-Italian combo. Yeah, French, French, like French-Italian. <laughs> and so it, the menu online, it didn't, it wasn't made obvious, but it was a restaurant where where your where your entree comes with a soup and a salad. So okay. you know that okay. you know that you know the vibe of restaurant mm. that I'm talking about. Wait, and it then, comes with soup and salad, no, sorry, or it came with salad. your choice? Okay, no, no, your one, okay. one's choice of soup or salad. Okay. And then it was uh, so I, I had a cocktail, and it was like. I don't know, Prosecco, some liqueur and blood orange. I was like, that sounds great. And then it just was literally basically San Pellegrino, which I love San Pellegrino, <laughs> but not for $15. And then the the pasta, you've seen me eat, Kevin. Like, yes. you, know, you know, I can put food away. Oh, it's away. disgusting. It's yeah. fucking gross. But you know, you know, like I, I, I will mostly, if you bring me a plate of food, no matter the size of the food, uh-huh. I will endeavor to eat all of the food. Yes. This yes, pasta was, I am not kidding, as big as my head. 
like this bowl of uh, the bowl of pasta and then a full chicken palm on top of it literally like a whole like and uh, not a small chicken palm either just like like a turkey breast size of chicken palm and it was so terrible it was like oh, chewy overcooked it was like it was okay but like the the, the sauce right. tasted like barilla sauce and then now i just have to tell you about my the, the, my, my I'm wife taking you to the cheesecake factory my, <laughs> my my wife got chicken masa- masala and it was uh-huh. somehow wet and dry, like too wet and too dry. The chicken was so Call overcooked. Call a chicken chardonnay. The chi- yeah, it was basically a chicken chardonnay. The, the, the chicken was so overcooked, it was basically a brick. And then the marsala, I'm sure you've made a chicken marsala. Normally, uh-huh. one reduces the sauce. Not these people. These people poured marsala wine directly on some raw mushrooms and some some pasta it was the pasta sauce was just wine it was bizarre and then they brought us boxes ben, and we had to no sometimes you just want to drink your andre they brought us boxes and we had to lie and say we are leaving tomorrow because you don't want to tell the server that it's a shit plate of food because it's not their fault but you had like when you when the oh, server but they know yeah but they I know. know and she preemptively brought boxes too so she knew what she was doing and then we had to be like oh no i've never lied quicker i am a skilled liar and i have never lied quicker than i lied to that woman about leaving the next day God damn it. anyway that's the fun for well, this episode actually, because this this chapter me, is uh, terrible let me tell you about my visit to the Wendy's across the street from the <laughs> Holiday Inn where the bar exam was oh, being no. held. No. Okay, well, I don't know what the fuck we're talking about anymore. <laughs> but Benedict, um, I think I asked you a question already. That's correct. You, you right? did, yeah. Did you say Something your like I, I I think my answer actually is PF Chang's. That's the actual okay. answer. Okay. Yeah, I think that counts. We'll put it on the list. Okay, yeah. what about what about yours? Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, the Cheesecake Factory because I like to have to be rolled out of my booth when I'm done with my meal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just go with that. Yeah, I saw a thing about like <laughs> oh, the, the, they, they like publish the amount of calories in their food and it is oh, extremely God. worrying. It's, it's horrifying. And the menu is thicker than this Glenn Beck book. It's <laughs> truly horrifying. Have you never been? No. Oh, Jesus Christ, we have to go to a cheesecake okay, factory. Okay, we can do that's, that. I prefer that to a Denny's. <laughs> All right. Well, Benedict, um, you probably know. You may be I aware. Do. It's possible. Uh, but the listener, whoever they are, may not be, uh, that this is the show where we dig down deep, 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 uh, into the garbage disposal of philosophy and thought and, and politics, seeking the spork dropped in there of oh my god you turn it on turn it off turn it on turn it off a right-wing thought that's what we do <laughs> here on this podcast that's true uh benedict i'm so lost today <laughs> i know like, what are we doing i here's the thing it's not often that you make me genuinely laugh that much <laughs> at the beginning of an episode <laughs> Before we start, throwing everything off. Look, there's a dynamic on this show where generally, you know, I lead the conversation. I keep us going down the road we're supposed to go on. But you just threw a fucking monkey wrench into the ordeal here. (laughs) I was the the sport today. I was the sport. Everything I had planned in my head for how I was going to do this up front here, all out the window. All because Uh, of a shitty Italian meal that I had. A shitty Italian meal (laughs) that I felt the world needed to know about. 
Oh, but anyways, Ben, like, do you have a hot take? Start us off with this I week. do, and it is that student loan is bullshit. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Kevin has been telling me about his student loan, <laughs> and it is bullshit. It's um, bullshit, all right. Yeah, the, I that agree. Is, like, the, the way that uh, people have to pay off so much interest that can be paying hundreds oh. of dollars a month and still not make it still not even cover the interest is some absolute fuckery like people can pay a hundred thousand dollars and still be starting from where they were oh, because of the levels God. of interest and benedict most people don't have student loans of the size that i that's have. true but most people also don't have the eventual salary that you will have yeah that's probably. also probably true anyways yep student debt student debt some pretty bullshit stuff it is. Yeah. So what's, what about you? What's your hot take? Uh, Benedict, my hot take this week, uh, as I mentioned, right, I took the bar exam last week and, mm-hmm. and traveled. I got the chance to travel across this state of misery. Uh, my hot take <laughs> because of that is that, is that how you pronounce Missouri, it? Missouri is shithole country. Did you, um, did you do that deliberately, the state of misery? Yes, I did okay. that. That I did that intentionally. That Good. was that was the joke. That's that why I said word, it that way. Wordplay. <clears throat> no, it's not like Nevada, Nevada. How okay, people pronounce it wrong mis- if they're misery, from the East misery. Coast. No, <laughs> no. It wrong. Uh, so so my trip. I'm going to talk about it a little bit because okay. uh, this this has been eating at me, and I haven't okay. been able to tell anybody about this. Uh, I started it. off. It was a fucking journey. It was uh-huh. a goddamn journey. How far are we to- talking? Is it just because you had to take a horse and cart, or is it no, like... No, no, it was just halfway across the fucking state, which okay. I have no idea how far across this state. It, it couldn't have been more than 150, 200 miles, right? Because it was two and a half hours on Amtrak, something like that. That's a oh, long way. Great. I could get to D.C. in that. Amtrak is a great trip. It's a fun time. You're in a nice, comfortable seat. You get to do whatever you want. I have I had no problem with the Amtrak. That was, that was where the good part of this trip ended. From there... <laughs> I was in Jefferson City, Missouri, which is apparently the fucking capital of the state, wow. despite it being barely larger than the gated golf course community I grew up in. I'm not shitting you there. Geographically, it's probably smaller than that gated golf course <laughs> community, and it probably only has two or three times the population of that gated golf course community. It has about 40,000 people in the entire city of Jefferson City, Missouri, and that's the fucking capital of this goddamn state. I got there, and of course, uh, it's not like uh, the the Greyhound that I then had to take to go up to Columbia, which is 30 miles away, and of course, there's no public transportation between those two places, because this state fucking hates public transportation. Uh, Then the the Greyhound, of course, it didn't pick up from the Amtrak depot, because why would that be a thing? No, I had to Uber to a gas station (laughs) six miles away from the Amtrak station, where I then got to wait for a further hour and a half for the Greyhound to show up because there are only two a day oh, wow. that run between Columbia and Jefferson City. Wow. Uh, so I got on that. It was nice. I was on there. Uh, There's some real Amish people on there who, like, you know, not like, oh, you know, they've been out before. Like, first time out of the compound, <laughs> enamored and and thrilled by this big city living there scene <laughs> uh, going through Jefferson City. And then we get to, we get to Columbia. Got there pretty late at night. You know, wasn't wasn't terrible, but of course I was dropped off at another random gas station that I then had to Uber to my hotel from. Great stuff. Uh, by the way, uh, the only Uber drivers in Jefferson City apparently drive fucking pickup trucks. That, and uh, if I had, to, did they make you go in the in the bay? Whatever no, but called. they try to get you into conversations about those liberals out in California. They try and do that. So the bar exam, it's a it's a nightmare. I did it. I took it, and I was done, and I was happy. 
And I had to wait until the next day to go back because, of course, two day exam. the two Greyhounds a day don't get you. They wouldn't get me back to Jefferson. Yeah. I mean, there's only two trains a day leaving <laughs> Jefferson City. Right. Because uh, there are only two trains in this state. So I had to wait. Uh, you know, that wasn't too bad. I was at a hotel. They had a, a free. They gave me three free drinks uh, in the evening at the hotel. That was kind of nice. Uh, the next day I get up. I hop on the Greyhound. I'm, I'm sorry. First, first, I forgot. Uh, first, I took the Uber uh, to the Greyhound. And, and that was <clears throat> horrifying. That was not the first time on this trip that I... I I'm the kind of person, the weirdo, who likes to talk to my Uber drivers. Okay, you, just said, you, you just said they try and get you into conversation. You would think right. you would know better. Uh, look, I, I, I like to have conversation, but they try to lead the conversation in a particular direction. Mm. Because you don't sound like you're from here. Okay, but uh, you could have done. You could have put on the accent and you'd be like, you know, oh. I do, I do do, I, I'm pretty good at that. I could do, you know, just a little bit softer talking and you just let it draw a little bit. Yeah, okay, And nobody right. suspects a thing. Uh -huh. uh, but anyways, <clears throat> so first Uber driver from the hotel to the Greyhound where I was mm -hmm. getting picked up. Uh, that was the first time that someone uh, told me about all those gangs out there in St. Louis mm. because I happened to mention that I was from there. Um, so that was nice. And then I got to the Greyhound uh, and the uh, guy behind me uh, who kept screaming randomly. <laughs> that was that was fun on that Greyhound ride. Then I was stuck in Jefferson City for about six hours, during which time uh, I sat and did nothing because there is nothing to do in that town. <laughs> the only thing I accomplished was getting swamp ass because it was 95 <laughs> degrees outside. <laughs> then finally, there's no Amtrak station in Jefferson City. There's a trailer <laughs> that they open up about an hour and a half before the train is supposed to get there and has an air conditioner that, you know, maybe lowers the temperature by about five degrees. I was in there, and there was this woman. Uh, it's run by volunteers. That's oh, who runs that, that little Amtrak rich. trailer. Yeah, it, it was strange. And I ended up spending, because the train was then delayed by an hour and a half, oh, I no. spent about three hours talking to this woman. Um, and that was horrifying again. Because, <clears throat> first off, uh, you know, my entire life story came out at some point. Uh, and whenever anyone finds out you're from California and they're vaguely conservative, uh, they try to get you to shit on California as a way of finding out whether you have the same political predilections as they do. Uh, and I, you know, just try and turn the conversation to literally anything else. So I managed to get us talking about cooking for about an hour and a half, which is great because that's one of my big hobbies. And I can talk forever about cooking and recipes and cooking equipment and all this sort of stuff. I can do that. And then she talked about how her daughter-in-law just got into a law school in Baltimore. And I was like, oh, Baltimore, I love that city. And then she went off on a tangent about all the crime there and how you just can't trust those sorts of people who live up there in Baltimore. Oh, no. And I, I knew. You knew, I knew the sorts of people meant. she meant. I knew what she meant. Did you ask her to explain? Uh, no, I just tried to be like, uh, you know, it's not, it's a good city. I fucking love Baltimore. It yeah, it's, it's a cool city. I like you it. You can though. go up there and do so much fun stuff. And the reality of crime is that majority of it happens between people who know each other and it's crimes of passion. The random attack on white women walking around a city that's full of mostly African-Americans is, is just a fucking fantasy of you weird Westerners who want to be Southern and hold <laughs> on to those old racist tropes. I didn't say any of that. But your eyes, I, I bet did. your eyes said it. 
I did I did say, you know, it's it's a safe city. She'll be fine. Uh, and then, of course, there was there was more. Uh, we the train. It was almost there, so we walked outside and went and stood over by the tracks. And uh, the conductor, who was about to be in charge of my train, <laughs> after barely any conversation, when somebody brought up asbestos and how their uncle had mesothelioma, um, somehow turned that into a detour into you know those towers on 9/11 didn't come down on their own, and. That was the guy who was running my train. Good stuff. And you, you just, I knew he wanted to say, and you know there was no Jews inside the tower when it happened either. You could fucking tell because that's what he looked like. Yeah. This trip was fucking horrifying. And I, it made me so fucking, and that, there were other people along the way who just every single person I encountered and had any sort of conversation with other than the law students who were taking the bar exam with me just defaulted into finding a way to be racist just using words like gangs when they're yeah. referring to black people or talking about crime rates and shit like that. They all fucking did because every time I said I was from St. Louis, they all wanted to fucking talk about shit like that. Yeah, not good. And, and it made me so appreciative <laughs> that I live in maybe the one decent, tolerable city in this state. I have heard Kansas City is fine. Well, I haven't been there yet, so okay. I don't know. <laughs> but... Jesus and I Christ. think those are the only two actual cities in the state, to be fair. So. You are correct, sir. <laughs> but no offense to our many listeners in Missouri. Yeah, we're fucking 20 minutes in now. <laughs> you, know, you know, you know what's good? All of our, not that many of our listeners, listeners are in Missouri, but all no, of them are in misery we, just through we, listening we to this. We do have a couple. We do have uh, at least at least two that I know of who are in Missouri. Uh, but Get in touch anyways, if you're from Missouri. Well, uh, yeah. Anyways, Benedict. Uh, so, I think we spent your too long Benedict. on that. Um, what's on your bookshelf, Benedict? What should they a, read? It's a well. Actually, I'm gonna do a you. And oh, just, nice. Just I, I'm gonna make people read, but I'm just gonna be excited about a film. In the <laughs> while in the time between we last recorded and now, the trailer for Dune came out. And I am really excited because mm. I think it looks really, really good. I haven't seen the trailer yet. It looks so don't really spoil good. it. I won't, but I'm just saying people <laughs> should read Dune in advance of the movie coming out in October. And also, they should be excited about the movie because it looks really good. But is Paul Atreides the Chris Edge Hatterack? Is he? We'll find out. We, you know, <laughs> it's a brand new book, so I guess none of us can ever know. Um, good stuff. What about you? What's on your bookshelf? On my bookshelf this week, uh, I've been ruminating a lot over being a lawyer, and so that's taken me back to some stuff uh, that I really love. And uh, the Marvel Comics character Daredevil Classic. is, of course, Matthew Murdock, attorney at law. Uh, and one that I went back into, because I have the, the Marvel app where I read most of my comics if I'm doing Marvel stuff. I went back and read uh, the old run uh, on Daredevil by Frank Miller uh, and Dave Muzicelli, I think is how his name is pronounced. Uh, Born Again, which is one of the greatest ever written. Frank Miller also wrote the the Dark Knight trilogy with Batman. He's a guy who does really well with dark, mysterious, dangerous characters. Uh, and Daredevil has the really great tortured backstory. And it's just a story of Kingpin trying to tear his life apart. They used a lot of it for the uh, Daredevil series they did on Netflix, which is fantastic. And you should also watch. Uh, but go check out the uh, Born Again run uh, by Frank Miller. Daredevil. Great stuff. Sounds good. All right. All right. Fun. Let's yeah. do uh, the stupid book. Benedict, rate and review us. iTunes. Follow us on the socials. 
Uh, and you know, I, I have to say, don't do, we don't even have time for this stupid fucking story. No, I'm not. We don't have. We just spent so long talking about Italian food. Ben Unless you're going to link it back to the Italian food story, I went to the farmers market the other day, and someone was there selling uh, mushrooms, pasta, and artisanal wines. <laughs> and Benedict thought, you know, I recently had a bad experience with a marsala. Uh, That's but, true. uh, I think, I think maybe, maybe I could make this myself and have a much better experience. I so could and to, have. He went to the vendor at the stall and he said, Hey, uh, do you have any good recipes for, uh, I don't know. Let's just say like a, like a chicken marsala perhaps that I could make for my wife who, who suffered through this terrible meal recently. And the guy said, no, you suck <laughs> because you don't have enough stars on itunes i just vamped that whole one so well i can that uh, that vamp fell apart at the end it did uh, yeah can so... i can i to make up for that shit story tell you about the story of this this bottle that Benedict, have we have hand? to do the book we don't have to look, <laughs> look at we... it it's beautiful i am holding a bottle for the podcast listeners out there which is all of you because this is not televised um is, but it should be it has a horse on it and then the horse has red glasses and a red bow and it says crazy horse lady on it. And this is my water bottle that I own because someone tried to buy my wife an alpaca water bottle and they sent this thing instead. So now she was like, uh, can I not have the crazy horse lady thing, please? And they were like, you can keep it. So now this is my water bottle and I am a crazy horse lady. Benedict, uh, to be fair, uh, crazy horse in French does mean alpaca though. So... Benedict. That would be, I'm sure that would be pretty funny. <laughs> With all that out of the way. With all that out of the way. <laughs> we return to our it's book. A short, it's Some a short chapter. Some going to be like, what the fuck? I thought this was a book show. What it, the fuck is this shit? It's a short chapter this week, folks. We're time filling. Let's be honest, Kevin. <laughs> oh, you know I'll find a way to time fill with the chapter itself. Yeah, uh, we return to our book review of Arguing with Socialists by Glenn Beck, John Wayne Gacy without the ambition. <laughs> Benedict, what did we read this week? Well, Kevin, this week we read the second half of chapter eight, which is the climate change chapter. And in this half of the chapter, Glenn Beck spends about three pages on cow farts. And I oh, wish that was an exaggeration. because he thinks that's the best joke. That's the he think best that He thinks that's you. so fucking funny. So funny. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, you know, it's been a while since we did this. So, so brief recap of what we had before. <laughs> Not too long. But... <laughs> This chapter, obviously, is the climate change chapter. And I think the majority of the first half of the chapter that we read was him misrepresenting studies about the consensus on climate change. Yeah, that I think was, that was pro- it. it. was like, oh, you say 97%. Well, actually, what if it's 90%? Hmm? Yeah. Ever think of that? Yep. 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 That was a that was about it. There really wasn't much more to it. But we pick up on the chapter with a new tweet from Neil Ocasio-Cortez. It says, quote, Okay. Perhaps climate scientists don't have a perfect record when it comes to making climate change predictions. But come on, Glenn Beck. Get your head out of the sand. Of course global warming will eventually be catastrophic. We're already seeing more wildfires, heat waves, and hurricanes because of climate change. We're also experiencing rising seas and lower crop production, putting human health and welfare at great risk. If things are already getting much worse, can you imagine how bad it will be in 80 years? And Glenn, he's going to tell us. How all that is a lie. Even if it's happening, isn't a problem because it could be good. 
is I think the gist of what he gets at in here. Yeah, I think um, I think he's 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 mostly suggesting that it's not true. I think most he's so here's the th- here's the problem with Glenn Beck and climate change. I have mentioned before that the previous Glenn Beck that I book that I read in my childhood, in my youth, when I was far too impressionable, um, my recollection, even though I can't find that book anywhere, um, is that he was full on climate change denial. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. This book, he's sort of straddling the line between it's not happening and. Well, I'm probably wrong, and I really know I'm wrong, because obviously I'm bullshitting, but even if it is happening, it's not actually a problem. So I'm not sure where exactly he falls on it now. I tend to think if you just asked him, he would say climate change is not real. Uh, But he tries so hard to hedge his bets at every single opportunity imaginable throughout this chapter. So he starts off with wildfires. The big heading, wildfires. He gives us, just telling us. And we get two paragraphs during which oh, yeah. he these, claims, these are all like two three paragraphs for the whole yeah. thing during which he claims that the number of wildland fires has decreased over the past three decades yeah saying nothing in, about the intensity or damage caused by said fires well he does actually he says in 1985 there were 82,591 wildland fires in 2018 the number was 58,083 the lowest number recorded since 2013 why did he pick 2018 then why would that seem to be strange also why didn't he not uh, pick 2006 in which the number was over a hundred thousand ah could it be because those conflict with the general idea he's trying to get across here yes of course that's actually what he's doing but he does actually mention quote although and although the number of acres burned since 1985 has risen dramatically it has stayed relatively flat since 2004 yeah so Bennett, you might be asking yourself, well, you know, Glenn has not shied away from putting in visual representations and charts of various kinds uh, throughout, uh, you know, all all this book so far. Why Mm -hmm. would at this point he not put in a chart that shows the uh, rate of wildfires and the uh, intensity of said wildfires and the number of acres burned? Could it perhaps be because um, they look really bad when you look at all the numbers and they show everything he's omitting between (laughs) his selected points? When you put the trend lines in. It yeah, the trend lines great. don't look great. By yeah. the way, the, the reason why he chose 1985 is because 1985 was a peak year uh, where previously the gotcha. number had been very low and then it went very high. And now he picked as, you know, 2018. It was another year where the number was very low. So it was convenient. Of course, the lines go up and down year by year. And the trend, based on what I can see, does, in fact, uh, appear to be increasing even though i don't have trend lines on this graph that i have pulled up from the environmental protection agency but if you then go over to the other uh chart they have on that very same webpage on the epa website that shows the amount of acreage burned you see a drastically and very obviously increasing trend (laughs) of number of acres burned from 1980 to today it is bad yes (laughs) so but then he throws in here and this is the hedging he's going to do throughout the rest of this mm-hmm. chapter. He will always use words like many scientists, some scientists. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no fucking significant numbers for any of these counterpoints that he's bringing up. They're supposed to be claim, you know, whatever the fuck they're going to be claiming for the particular section. But this one, this group of many scientists, are those that believe the federal government is mostly to blame for the increased acreage burned by fires. And he says, quote, 
In 2019, nearly 300 scientists authored joint letters to Congress requesting that the federal government change its dangerous procedures following wildfires. Mm. I took the time to look it up because, of course, that's the kind of anal asshole I am. And what this is, is a group of people, I couldn't figure out whether they're, you know, ideologically inclined or one way or another. Um, these is not, this is not a group of people who deny climate change. Uh, it's a group of uh, forest experts and people who want the Forest Service to stop dragging away and disposing of logs after wildfires because they think that it's better for the environment and that those those burned logs will soak up water and prevent more fires in the future. Mm. That's what it's about. I didn't see anywhere where they're making the claims that it's actually the cause of the increased damage or number of fires. Gotcha. That was not something I ran across. It seems very clear to me that Glenn's just bullshitting. Yeah, and um, the, I, I'm now looking at these EPA charts too. There is a very clear... I mean, yep. Uh, yep. The, the number is is pretty flat, but also like nobody thinks climate change started in 1985. No. Like we did some damage before that. I think is the point. So like just because in the last 25 years it's flat doesn't mean it was flat before that. And then as you say, the damage done is a very very clear upwards trend. Very stark like upwards trend to like two x on average. I would say. Yeah, like 1980, uh, just it's in millions of hectares. So it's just uh, under two, two million in in the early yeah, 80s. Yeah, yeah, just about two million. Uh, 2020, 10 million yeah. hectares. and burned. also in 2015, and also in 2017. So that's yeah, not yeah. an outlier. 2005 through today, all of the peak years are hitting near 10 million hectares. That's yeah, that's yeah, and, and none before of the, none before of the 2000, go anywhere down low. Near, before 2005. Near yeah, since 2005, the, the lowest years have been as high as the highest years in the 80s. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Yeah. It's really fucking Not good, crazy. and it's all in the West, which I didn't realize. I mean, I knew the West was bad, but I'm looking at the graph in the East, there's basically no... You no came burn. to visit in the middle of peak fire season when that's, I was at Berkeley. That's true, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like October. Is that peak fire season? No, that, I don't think it was October. It was. It was, before. It was, it was August, I think. No, I think it, was it, was August. it was October. Well, whatever. Anyways, next section we get from Glenn, heat waves. Mm. Again, another one. It's super ironic that the very year he publishes this book is a series of just devastating heat waves that rock the well, fucking West. That, that and also he's like, oh, Texas. And like, it's again, Texas had a ridiculous heat wave and also yep. a fucking snowstorm. Yeah, kill people. So. And that's like another point that we should bring up is that like it's called climate change, not just fucking global warming. Yeah, it causes it, widespread changes and things that sh are, you know, shouldn't happen normally is it, part of what climate change does. It's the problem disruption. with this is they they all got onto this in the 90s when the common yep. parlance was global warming and then they yep. do the snowball stuff and, you know. <sighs> and you end up with assholes in congress anyways but heat waves he tells us that uh you know the average number of days exceeding 100 deg degrees fahrenheit has not increased substantially over the past 100 years there's I two would... main forms of hedging in that sentence I, this is this is interesting <laughs> for me because this is like read this passage and see if you can understand it yes um, yes <laughs> so first of all substantially define the term Second of all, he, he will not. No, he will no. And and second of all, uh, I'm less interested in the number of days over 100 degrees, and more interested in how much over 100 degrees the peaks were. 
Yes, and I will say that one of the things I didn't bother to look into, I couldn't find any sources that gave a shit about the number of days over 100 degrees. Yeah, it seems very, uh, what like, I found was, very arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, most climate studies look at the average temperature in different locales. That's what they care about. They don't give a shit about the number of days over 100 degrees, and the average temperature is definitely increasing yeah, in the majority of places. I would say out, outside of places where, like, ice can actively be melted i don't think the number of days above a certain temperature really matters nope it's how much above that temperature it gets right well and if we're talking about like fucking portland oregon that doesn't generally get days over 100 degrees you know the, this year they had uh i think i looked up it's an like article they had like yeah a full week oh yeah a full week of, of over 100 degree temperatures and then you know other you know the point is his metric he's using here is intentionally uh, uh, Obscurantist. Obscuring the fucking point. And I should mention the source that he's citing here is a report by a climate denial group called the Intergovernmental Panel on, or the, I'm sorry, the Non Governmental International Panel on Climate Change, which is a bullshit group of climate denialists with no connection to any government that just made up that complicated sounding name that makes them sound really official. They admit they're non-governmental right in the beginning. Yeah. I'll give them that. But it's still, it sounds, if you're not paying attention, like government, something governmental, what do they say? I feel like that was the intention with that yeah. stupid fucking name. Probably. But then the very next page, he says, well, I mean, it could actually be a benefit. Some warming could be nice. And he points out that cold weather is 20 times more deadly than hot weather. So we should want, and that's where I'm saying. That is some bullshit. That's where I'm going with the, you know, uh... He's hedging his bets there. He's both denying and playing the, well, even if it's true, it's not a big deal card at the same time. That's what he's doing there. So the next subsection we get is called hurricanes. Again, it's okay. just two paragraphs. There's a quote in this that made no sense. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to read it. It's, it's, he's talking about landfall hurricanes yep. um, and saying like it basically hasn't got worse because of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, quote, in 2018, researchers examining hurricane activity in the United States, and he quotes them here, says, found no significant trends in landfalling hurricanes, major hurricanes, or normalized damage consistent with what has been found in previous studies. Now, you Man, probably... How long are you going to talk about the Oxford comma? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you may have heard there that I deliberately read through consistent without uh, pausing as if there was a comma there because there's no comma there. So without the comma, that implies that all previous studies showed that there was a significant impact. But this study was like, no. And I don't know whether he did that deliberately or if he's just like... Uh, found a quote of like something that works for him and not copied it across properly or whatever but it that that in isolation makes zero sense yep uh and uh, i will say uh i did not take the time to look up that particular study if it even was is one that he's talking about uh i did of course pull up uh, a study from nature which is you may be aware the number one journal that exists um which the abstract just plainly says he, uh, oh, no, there's heat waves. I'm looking at the heat waves one. I didn't even mention the heat waves one. It says heat waves have increased in intensity, frequency, and duration with these trends projected to worsen under enhanced global warming. That was the one I had pulled up for heat waves. That was not the one for hurricanes. Uh, for hurricanes, I went to the Geophysical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory of the National uh, Atmospheric 
blabbity blibbity blue, whoever they are, I never forget how what their acronym stands for. Uh, which uh, I won't read any of, but basically says, nah, Glenn, Glenn Beck's full of shit. There's, uh, there's <laughs> definitely more hurricanes. I feel like the hedging, and I want to keep pointing out all these hedgings, because I feel like Glenn is trying very hard to not outright lie, which I feel like is important to him for some reason in written form versus, you know, his fucking radio show where he'll just say whatever he wants. But he's throwing in all these little words that unless you notice them, then you might tend to agree with what he's saying if the underlying facts were true. In this case, it's hurricane activity, quote, in the United States, as though that's the entirety of the world. And ignoring... It it, it is. Didn't you you know that? Yeah. The point is that climate change affects hurricanes all over the world. And uh, basically all the studies have seen an increase of frequency and the severity of hurricanes uh, because of climate change. And that trend is predicted to increase. The other bullshit fact he throws in for this section is that prior to Hurricane Harvey, we hadn't had a Category 3 or higher storm hit the U.S. for 142 straight months which the previous time that happened was in 1860. So that's a meaningful metric nobody cares about. <laughs> the, n- the number of months in between a Category 3 storm hitting the United States. You know, all the climate scientists, that's the one they're looking at when they're doing all of their work. Yeah. The next... Well, j- just quickly there, I, this is the full quote. Because uh, this is in the abs. I found the abstract of the study. Okay. It bothered you that much. It did, yeah. Um, we have investigated trends in continental U.S. hurricane activity since 1900 and found no significant trends in landfalling hurricanes, major hurricanes, or normalized damage consistent with what has been found in previous studies. Landfalling hurricane activity is, however, influenced by El Nino Southern Oscillation on the interannual timescale and by the Atlantic Multidecadal Oscillation on the Multidecadal Timescale. So basically saying stuff changes based on mm-hmm. El Nino and yeah. other things. The next subsection that we get to called i just noticed uh when i did that that benedict uh i don't know if you ever stare at me as i'm uh talking like i stare at you from time to time uh, uh-huh. but uh whenever i do the the next section i do a little i do a little cock uh, the, uh, cocking the gun with my with my arm a little cocking it you know <laughs> Ba-pow! got the finger gun going up in the air and i i was i do normally look at you go. but i was still reading the study all right well the next section we get is rising sea mostly bullshit longer but still bullshit still such bull it is much longer uh and i will just note up right at the top right that uh from 1880 to current day we had a sea level rise of eight to nine inches and from 1993 to 2019 we had a sea level rise of 3.4 inches that's just measured sea level rise but Mm -hmm. the point he's getting at in this section is well i mean uh oh i did get united nations bingo though You did? Yeah, he uh, he said uh, all these predictions are largely based on estimates by the United Nations. Oh, how did I not notice that? How did I not notice that? We get some other... Uh, I was going to get to it when we got there, and we will, but there's there's more of that uh, stuff, the John Bircher tie-in stuff coming up a little later on that I just always have to point out because I don't think you can understand Glenn Beck without understanding the the john bircher stuff and how that ties into his ideology i really don't think you can understand it without Mm. that so i always like to point it out when i do but he points out there there's a bunch of people you know newsweek and business insider and 24 7 wall street who published articles talking about cities that could eventually be underwater so that's you know those are all climate scientists but 
he, he then goes to a bunch of bad sources who deny all these things. Most of these people, what they do is say, well, it's not actually climate change causing the sea level rise. It's because uh, we're still coming out of the last ice age, which is like <laughs> guess the, the fucking go to for a lot of these people is always just be like, oh, it's natural earth cycles and we're coming out of an ice age that was the the most recent one, and they have no fucking clue what they're talking about. But I do really love whenever Glenn Beck goes to citing bad sources, because one of my favorite things is looking up the hideous human beings who he thinks are reputable enough to cite in his book. So one of the first ones he brings up, he says, quote, In 2017, researchers Albert Parker and Clifford Ollier examined six large tidal gauge data sets, including 199 stations in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's database. That's what I couldn't remember the acronym stood for earlier. They determined all consistently show a small sea level rise uh, and negligible acceleration. Well, it shouldn't surprise you that those people are bullshit artists, but uh, Cliff Ollier uh, is not one that's particularly interesting. Uh, he's an Australian guy who's basically... Uh, writes for this thing called the Lavoisier Group, uh, which okay. is tied to Australian mining interests. Um, the other guy there is much more interesting. Albert Parker. I will read you. I, I should say, I always go to Dsmog blog uh, when I'm looking at climate change people who I just suspect are bullshit because they doggedly look into these people's backgrounds mm. and figure out how bullshit they are. Uh, they start off his background section saying, quote, Albert Parker also known as Alberto Beretti, was an associate professor in energy engineering at the University of Ballarat, where, I don't know where the fuck that is, where he listed his experience working for Fiat on internal combustion engines. Mm. Under the name Alberto Beretti, he was also associated with Missouri University of Science and Technology, again, fuck this state, where he worked as a research professor of mechanical engineering. He right. does not appear to be currently affiliated with any academic institution. But a very reliable, uh, non-funded by coal power person. Well... Continuing on, as Dsmog has previously reported, Parker appears to have published simultaneously under the name Alberto Beretti and Albert Parker, leading cool. to some confusion. Yep. In an email exchange with Dsmog's Graham Redfern, Parker refused to comment on his name change or why he published under alternate names. I fucking love that so much. But the best paragraph, the fucking best paragraph... Again, this guy is a mechanical engineer. He's not fucking qualified to look at fucking data on fucking sea level rise. But the best paragraph, the fucking best paragraph. Quote, over the years, Alberto Beretti slash Albert Parker have published a number of papers suggesting that sea level rise is not a serious problem. <laughs> D. Smog noted that Parker co-published several of his papers with Thomas Watson, who has argued that variations in magnetism are responsible for climate change. <laughs> All right. Uh, nope, I'm not done. A theory he developed around the time he was visited by a gentleman in black and saw what he believed may be UFOs. <laughs> we veer. Okay, by proxy, Glenn Beck is bringing UFO people into my life. I'm fucking loving it. <laughs> Glenn, UFA people are the best people. Glenn, you have no excuse for not have even Googling this guy's name and found out he's connected to UFOs. 
You have no excuse for this. You cited this guy as an authority in your stupid fucking book. Get an editor, Glenn. Get an editor. That's all I'm asking from you. <laughs> he, he won't. You know he won't. <laughs> And once Next. again, this chapter is impeccably designed where there's like a big graphic that makes it look like the chapter has ended a page before the chapter ends. I know. So there it is no It makes no fucking sense. Uh, the next person he brings up is uh, Judith Curry, PhD. Uh, love to put that in there. You know, she got a PhD. She deserves having it after her name. She does not deserve still having PhD after her name because uh, she's another bullshit climate denier who resigned from her position at the Georgia Institute of Technology, where she was the chair of uh, the School of Earth and Atmospheric Sciences. Uh, she's basically just a climate denier who, uh, again, uh, resigned to do her company where she takes money from coal and oil people. How weird is that? Anyways... <laughs> It's very weird. Nothing to see here. But then Glenn continues on, and he tells us, quote, Oh, and there are other good, completely unscientific reasons to question the claim that sea levels are rising to dangerous rates. I would just point out, there are no good unscientific reasons no. to question data. There's just no such good thing. Other than, you know, the guy giving you your data wrote with a guy who thinks that the UFO man told him that magnetism causes climate change. So, other than that, I will wild. say, but he continues, for example, if everyone living anywhere near America's coast is going to end up underwater, why the heck are so many of the leading climate change warriors buying up beachfront property? Uh, We've gotten yeah. this before, right? And got Leo DiCaprio, Obama. Right. He points out that Barack and Michelle wrote a, bought a place on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio bought an island in Belize. And uh, Al and Tipper Gore bought a home in Montecito, California, which, by the way, he pointed out. That their home is not on the ocean. It's not located on the beach. He took the time to point that out. And just like, well, but you know, if you're going to live in a town that's famous for its beaches, you wouldn't do that if you really believed in climate change. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Those are just bad arguments. Uh, again, right? It's the old uh, the old bullshit. We've all heard that so many fucking times. But the Isn't next Montecito quite close to the mountains also? Or like foothills at least? Um, I'm not sure. Never been there. Never <laughs> been there. But uh, the next subsection we get is entitled Lower Crop Production. And this is honestly one that I have never heard before. I've literally never heard this. Yeah, this is not, I think he's just I reaching up his ass. I think this is one ass. of those weird hang-up ones where it's like, it was like at the same time we were worried about overpopulation and that we were going to need to provide more food. and Possibly. I, I mean, and I can see how climate change could disrupt global food production, right? Definitely. Yeah. So I, I don't know. but Whatever. Uh, we don't need to talk about it. It's very Yeah, boring. his only refutation is, well, NASA says that in China and India, they've actually planted a lot of stuff and it's uh, greener there now because of it. So <laughs> that's basically all he's got there. But we get the next tweet from Rashida Resistance at AOC underscore 2024 underscore squad for life. I feel like that has changed. I don't remember off the top of my head if that is how it started out in this book, but I feel like that's not what her original hashtag was. But yeah, anyway, maybe let me I, I'm going to go back and see. Right. Maybe I just... It says, quote, maybe these climate natural disasters haven't started yet, but you can't predict the future, Glenn Beck. Many scientists believe we're headed for a climate catastrophe, and even if they've been wrong in the past, it's not a risk we can take. This is why we need a Green New Deal to stop a future climate crisis. And this is where we get 
the John Bircher screeching, throwing your own poop at the wall moment that uh, stuck out to me most for this chapter, where he starts off, quote, Ah, yes, the Green New Deal, the most expensive, radical, extreme, socialist policy offered since, well, ever. If I were looking for the quintessential terrible American socialist plan, the green dream or whatever they call it would be my choice. And uh, that's a Nancy Pelosi quote. And I don't know like, if I you promise, know it. I promise I won't quote Nancy Pelosi ever again. Why? Because you're a bad journalist. You don't I don't know if you all can tell, but uh, Glenn Beck is not a fan of the Green New Deal. No, he's not. But he he then gives us it's like. I, I, I am glad that he did this with the Green New Deal for, what, the third time in this fucking book? Literally, yeah. But I am glad that at least this time he actually delves in a little deeper to the bullshit a he's little. throwing out. And he's, well, he spends a couple pages on it, right? So we'll give it the time it deserves. He starts off by telling us, quote, The Green New Deal non-binding congressional resolution... Oh, shit. Fuck. Editor. Editor. You shouldn't put that in your book. You just admitted what it is. Glenn. Yeah, it's nothing. Ocasio-Cortez released, blah, 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 blah. doesn't matter. And then continues, quote, The heart of the Green New Deal proposal is to eliminate nearly all fossil fuel use in the United States in just 10 years. That means every coal and natural gas plant would close, along with every coal mine and hydraulic fracturing parentheses, fracking site, there wouldn't be any more oil drilling either, neither onshore nor offshore. Very glad he got the neither nor there right. Every gas station, frack, sand, mine, oil refinery, and most motor vehicle manufacturers would need to close or completely change their operations. We're talking about millions of jobs lost, not thousands, tens of thousands, or even hundreds of thousands, but millions of jobs. I, I really like... There's a real, there's a real, um, like, uh, dichotomy here mm. where he's like, uh, this, it's bad for the economy if all these things shut, but then also bad <laughs> for the economy if all these things open. You're like, which one is it? And he's like, we're going to have to spend millions opening new electric plants. And you're like, but yeah. the coal plants are good though. That's like, which way? Well, it's like... It's, it's absolutely that, look at this hand, not the closed one I have over here, yeah, right? Where it's exactly. like, all these jobs would be gone. Forget that if we actually went forward with something like this, we'd be creating millions of new jobs that would be yeah. needed to, you know, switch. It's a, it's a switch over is the point. That's the one thing that, that it should be so obvious. And I don't understand how anyone on the right thinks this is a good argument when they go to the jobs thing, right? It's not... And nobody is saying, okay, tomorrow we send the military out and we shoot everyone at all the coal power no, plants. We and try we leave and retrain them, vacant. them, like, you know. Right. And we don't, you know, I, I, I do agree with us uh, to some extent, like, that the 10 year goal of the Green New Deal, I think, is too ambitious. It's ambitious. I just don't, I don't think it's possible. I think it's a, it's good to have ambitions, but I don't think it's reasonable. Yeah, you don't negotiate be before years. you start, though. That's the thing. Sure. Like, you, you I'm go just in saying, your, yeah. Benedict, I don't think it's reasonable to think it could be done. Sure. So. But I think that, that and the gist of this is, if you were to do a Green New Deal plan, and if you were to drastically increase the number of geothermal and wind and solar and all the other clean energy sources that we have, you still need a lot of jobs to get all that stuff going. That's the point. Yeah. 
Yeah, we won't have anybody working at oil fields or anymore or working in uh, gas power plants or coal power plants. No, they'll be repairing fucking solar panels or doing maintenance on wind turbines or building this shit yeah. or whatever the fuck the case might be. There's plenty of jobs out there. It's not a, a, a mathematical equation where we just subtract all those jobs and they're just gone now. It's, it's not fucking it at all. But on the next page... He wants to point out to us that there's, that there's a brain dump here. I, I, I forgot, you know, we've been off this for a couple weeks, so forgive me if I forget that I call these things brain dumps. Uh, but there's a big brain dump I, on the page. I, yeah, can we just remind the listeners it's my term that you stole? That's yeah, 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 absolutely. Credit where it's due. There's this big brain dump on the page titled The Vacant Land Myth. Mm. And basically all he's talking about here is that, well, uh, the county of San Bernardino, uh, apparently, according to him, uh, banned large-scale renewable energy farms that have banned them, banned them. Um, and the, well, the truth it, it, of well, the story. Hold, hold on, first of all, we should just say the, the point of this brain dump originally was like, there's not as much vacant land as you think. Yeah. And then there, he's like, there's a lot of vacant actually, land, there's the a bunch of vacant <laughs> land. It's just people don't like it when you use it for certain things. Yes. So the reality of this is, uh, this is just a story about NIMBYs. This is yeah. literally just Which a story NIMBYs about NIMBYs. Suck. We can agree yeah. on that. Yeah, Glad NIMBYs fucking suck. And the further reality of the story is that they, uh, the, the county, and the, the reason why he brings it up, he's like, even in the bluest state, the biggest county there banned all these renewable energies. Blah! Forget the fact that San Bernardino is actually one of the most conservative counties in California. But uh, the reality is that they did pass a measure that banned large-scale renewable energy farms on about a million acres uh the entire county is about 12.8 million acres so you know less than a tenth of the county uh is not allowed and it was this whole thing having to do with you know uh using this private land to export energy from the land blah 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 and it was a lot of nimbyism it was a lot of nimbyism it was people who just like i don't want all this construction going on near my house and blah 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 you know what people genuinely do use uh environmental protection laws to commit nimbyism like yep. that is that is a big use of like technical technicalities in laws that f prevent the progress that the laws were designed to to help. Yeah, you know which what is we call why people? lawyers suck for helping Fuck people you. do that. Fuck you. Uh, but yeah, it's just a it's just a bullshit story about NIMBYs. It really doesn't matter. But then he dives a little you know, deeper. I, I've written this is dumb so many times <laughs> in this chapter. It's just like it's just an argument that doesn't follow. It really doesn't, especially when we get into what he's going to be talking about next. Because oh, now this whole thing is like <laughs> this whole thing gave me real. What if we made the world better by accident? Vibes. Yes. Like yes. Whole, what if we accidentally made the world a better place for nothing? Because now he's actually going to drive in, dive into the text of the Green New. Di Wait, no, that's not what he's going to talk. He's going to talk about uh, a lot of stuff. That's not in the text of the Green New Deal. That seems to be the goal. Yeah, this is what the he's talking about. Bit. Yeah, so he starts off saying, quote, The FAQ and resolution, he's referring to the notorious FAQ on AOC's website, uh, that one, and that'll come up again later, and resolution also promised to provide every American with safe, affordable, adequate housing that's green energy compliant. Yeah, the thought of having federal officials come to my house to make it more safe, adequate, 
and green. Can you hear the scare quotes? Can you I hear can. the scare quotes? Doesn't sound horrifying at all. Come on in, Mr. Bureaucrat, and please be sure to tell me everything that's not safe about my home. Oh, you want to see the gun safe? Uh, no guns here, Mr. Bureaucrat. Let's go outside so I can show you my new green energy compliant compost in the backyard instead. <laughs> that is a conversation that happens when you are a six-pack deep sitting on a... Uh, tailgate of a pickup truck that's when that fuck when you're fucking with some other drunk douchebag just game planning out the imaginary home invasion by the government bureaucrat <laughs> and how you're gonna threaten them that's what the fuck is happening there that's psychotic is what that is that is a fucking psychotic paragraph <laughs> i do not understand how that comes out of your brain no it's I, also well, it's not the most psychotic paragraph we've had to be fair no no, we've had some bad ones. Uh, but then he goes to the old canard of uh, even if we did, you know, stuff in the U.S., even if we cut our emissions to nothing, it wouldn't do a thing for the world. Yeah. Nothing at this all. This is, is very, um, who's the who's the moral philosopher? Is it Kant that's just like, you know, it, it doesn't matter what you do as if like society ignores, if we, we should ask Aaron, but there's, there's, a, there's a philosopher, <laughs> there's a philosopher that deals Nerd. with this stuff. Yeah, you yeah. fucking nerd. And it's like, why should I buy a train ticket if nobody else is buying a train ticket? Like, because it's for the good of society. It's, Just fucking try. I wrote in in the margin of my copy. Has Glenn ever heard of the tragedy of the commons? Has he? <laughs> ever fucking hurt because this is just two pages of glenn saying let's create more tragedy fuck those commons yeah. that's all he's doing he has the old chart that shows china with 30 percent of global emissions you know other is 30 percent and then you know not paying attention to the fact that the eu is nine percent even though it's larger land mass than the united states it's has lower emissions because they're I, just yeah. better than us in all I, ways. I would also say that this chart did not look like this 50 years ago. No. And I would also say that the reason that this chart looks like this now is because the EU and the US have got a bit better at using yep. renewable energy. So you Very can't so. complain about us using wanting to use renewable energy and then be like, look how good we are at not doing emissions. Like, why do you think that is, motherfucker? Yeah, and the whole argument of the couple of pages is... China is the world's biggest single emitter, and their emissions are going up, so why should we do anything? They're also doing loads on renewable energy. They're just yeah. behind us. Yeah, they are. And I, I did, when I was doing my research on this bit of the chapter, I looked up articles that said China has a plan by 2040 to be, I think there's like either cut half or be net zero. They've I don't massively committed to, to doing renewable right. energy. And, like, and they, have, they are behind on their own deadlines, and that fucking happens. Because it's hard. Um, and yeah, it's really it absolutely difficult. is. And uh, the point is, uh, right, we should still fucking do something because that 15% does fucking matter. It absolutely fucking matters. The other part of it is a large part of why China emits 30% of global emissions is, is, also, because of, is also because of us. Yeah. It's also because of us in the United States. Because we exported factory jobs to China. Exactly. That's exactly part of the fucking problem. You can't leave that out. Nobody is saying, well, we should just... I think part of it also is, I should point out, going back to Glenn's hatred of the United Nations and the entire concept of countries ever doing anything in concert with one another, I think part of this stems from that. He just doesn't believe in countries working together to reduce emissions and all that shit. He just, he just well, the U.S. can't do it alone, so why fucking bother? I think that's really where the mindset comes from. And I remember... 
back in undergrad, uh, you know, uh, I think I've talked about this before. I won't name anyone, but the president of the Berkeley College Republicans was in a fucking political science class with me. Uh, and we, you know, we had an assignment where we were supposed to advocate for a particular position and argue, you know, X, Y, and Z. And it was a big, long project where we put together presentations, you know, half-hour presentations, this, that, and the other, uh, about you know what the priority should be for the incoming administration. And all of us had these things where it, it was a class on international relations. Like it was a, it literally a class where like a big portion of it was looking at how countries work together. And it was you know a lot of UN stuff. But the president of the Berkeley College Republicans, he stood up and gave his little thing, and it was all about, well, we should deal with immigration because it's the only thing the U.S. can do alone unilaterally. That mindset among conservatives is fucking entrenched. That if we can't do it by ourselves alone and completely because we want to and because we have power over it, fuck it, we shouldn't do anything at all. It's a stupid fucking mindset, yeah, but it's there. Stupid. So we get to the next tweet. It is Rashida Resistance again, and she's saying, The Green New Deal might not be a perfect solution, but at least AOC, Bernie Sanders, E. Warren, and others are trying to prevent this environmental disaster with policy plans like the Green New Deal. Extremely reasonable tweet. Ben responds, er, Excuse ben, me. Glenn responds with the next craziest chapter, uh, paragraph of this chapter, where he says, quote, the Green New Deal actually has very little to do with protecting the environment and everything to do with trying to impose socialism on unsuspecting Americans all under the guise of saving the planet. The Green New Deal is nothing more than a big socialist Trojan horse. Yes. That's, that's, that's what it. he wrote. Yep. That's actually what he wrote. But he actually makes that argument. That's what the next couple of pages is. I'm surprised. Is him I was making really that surprised argument. in this that he didn't talk about like, oh, it looks green, but underneath it's red. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> God damn it. I remember when he did that with the fucking watermelon on his stupid TV show. Uh, Jesus did he do Christ. that? I, I he thought did. of that. As he a fucking, fucking did. <laughs> no, he was like the one. That was like a big, like, I think fucking... Uh, the Daily Show made fun of it when it happened, and that's why uh, I, I was aware it. of it I or thought something. Of the same fucking hacky thing, and he's uh, already done it. That's so sad. That Benedict, that was a big right wing talking point around 2010 ish. That was actually a fucking wow. thing. But yeah, it's 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 really fucking crazy. I can't believe he did that. He has a brain dump in the corner of the page, which is just about uh, that newest. Um, uh, documentary, the the uh, Michael Moore documentary, which again I can't say it enough. Fuck you, Michael Moore. Nobody fucking likes you anymore. Like you weren't that tolerable to begin with, and you just got grosser and less tolerable over the years. We just don't want you around anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh but uh, he's yeah, he's saying he has a Neil Casio Cortez comeback, which is just saying you're a conspiracy theorist. But yep. then Glenn dives right into the fucking conspiracies, and I do have to point out right like, what I was talking about. Now that you mention it, yes, I am. What I was talking about with this all going back to the John Birch Society stuff. This makes sense if you believe in the massive communist conspiracy. If you believe mm -hmm. that this all goes back to the communists trying to take over the world using all these various groups and vague references to this, that, and the other that all somehow mishmashed together into a giant yarn-filled portrait Mike Lindell would be proud of. <laughs> if you believe all of that, this makes sense. But now he goes directly to the text, 
sort of, of the Green New Deal itself. <laughs> because he selectively quotes. And by selectively, I mean he will start quoting and then stop quoting and then start quoting again where it's needed to make it look how he wants it to say. So he says, quote, no conspiracy theories here. There's absolutely no question that the Green New Deal is primarily about pushing the country towards socialism, not climate <laughs> change. And here's how I know that's the case. Although the proposal calls for trillions of dollars in new spending to battle climate change, it also demands tens of trillions of additional dollars to pay for new government programs meant to advance socialist goals. Great stuff. And then he has a bunch of things pulled selectively from the text of the actual Green New Deal, starting with, first, the creation of a federal jobs guarantee program that would promise the government would provide a family-sustaining wage, adequate Right, he talked about this already. Oh, sounds great. And he quotes, up until the point where it ends with, uh, and retirement security to all people of the United States, and then adds in his own words, including those who are, and then in quotes, unwilling to work. So he's obviously there, he's taking that notorious flub uh, by AOC, right? There's that webpage, I think, on mm -hmm. uh, on her website, the FAQ thing, uh, which has famously been batted around by the right wing. Uh, probably was a fuck up on their part to claim that it was doctored and all that shit. It probably was. Just, I, if I had to guess, they probably meant unable. It's probably, yeah. it's probably like a typo Sometimes or something like that. Sometimes people get words wrong. Yeah, but he's adding that in there and making it look like that is part of the Green mm, New Deal text. That's fun. He's combining that there to make it look like it's part of the Green New Deal text. The next one is uh, universal college and then single-payer health care and then uh, national healthy and affordable foods and then economics. He's just pulling all these things out, which, yes, some of these are in the Green New Deal. Um, and we should fucking do them. And I don't give a fuck what you call them because when these things happened in all those other countries you want to claim are not socialist, you said they were fine because half the things you're talking about here, fucking Sweden has. And we already yeah. talked about how Sweden apparently is not socialist. So can we have a goddamn Sweden? Yes, I just want please. a goddamn Sweden. Benedict. I, I just want do. a goddamn I Sweden. I know, I know. And, of course, it's the usual screaming about how such and such a conservative group says this will cost X amount of completely unrealistic dollars that is just bullshit. And then he says, quote, Now ask yourself this important question. If we really are on the verge of a climate catastrophe, oceans covering whole cities, millions of climate refugees, killer heat waves and hurricanes and more, and if climate change really does pose an existential threat to humanity, then why would anyone want to provide free college? That's really his fucking <laughs> argument. Well, right. Glenn, it's because we think we might be able to survive, buddy, and we want to have a better world on the other side we after you're rotting chance. in a grave. That's really what we fucking want is a better goddamn world. And then he goes through pointing out that uh, apparently an ex-staffer uh, uh, or somebody, maybe it was the, the chief of staff for AOC, uh, said uh, in an interview that eh, it wasn't originally really a climate thing. And great, that's that's more proof that it's just, just that evil socialism yeah. that Glenn's talking about. Oh, great. And then we get a quote from 
Neil Ocasio Cortez. I promise we're only ten pages away from the end of this fucking right, chapter. Let's 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 get through it. I promise we're so close. He says, "Well, capitalism sure as heck isn't going to fix the environment." He couldn't even put hell in his own fucking book. Only socialism, in some form, can do that by forcing the market to accept renewable energy sources like wind and solar. Maybe those won't stop climate change, but at least they will help to improve other environmental problems. And of course, the answer is that no, no. Actually, socialism is the one that's bad for the environment, and capitalism <laughs> is the one that's good for the environment. And he has a brain dump here that completely takes out of context and just bullshits this thing called the Kuznets curve. Yeah, it's very weird. It's just like a normal distribution curve. Yeah, that's <laughs> so really he slaps all that labels is. on. It's very odd. I did look it up. It is a real thing. Uh, some guy named uh, Kuznets, that's his last name. I don't remember what his first name was because I didn't keep the page pulled up. Uh, back in the 50s or 60s, postulated uh, that this curve existed and that market forces at first increase income inequality and then later decrease income inequality. It should be pointed out he was absolutely fucking wrong about that, obviously. Yeah. Because he proposed that the decrease in income inequality should be here by now, like today, like where we are. You would, should you already, think. yeah, yeah. Should, should you would, be. You would it's think. not not the case. Not, not the bigger case. than it was when he wrote the thing. And then he goes on talking about how, oh, uh, you know, the Eastern European communist countries, they uh, had bad environments. So, again, Glenn, uh, nobody wants that. At this, Ben, we're one chapter from the end of this fucking book. I am still astonished. By the amount of fucking repetition, yeah, it's very. We long. get it's not, of it's this. Also, yeah, not not that long a book, really, given how big it is. It really isn't, but it's it's so repetitive. It's I mean, because like we talked about earlier, right? The um, I don't remember what it was, but it's something we've gotten three times already in this book. Oh, the the, the Green New Deal cow shit, farts, right? Yeah, we've gotten cow farts three fucking times. We already had the you know these people buying homes on the coast multiple mm -hmm. times. It's just repetitive. It's the same shit because he doesn't have any real good arguments to throw out there. No. But we get the next quote from Rashida Resistance. Tweet, rather. She says, The only reason America's environment isn't a total disaster is because of protections put in place by socialists and progressives at the state and federal levels. To which he says, No. Los Angeles, no. San Francisco, Newark. Argument done. That's, that's basically all he has. And I would point out that those old arguments about San Francisco and L.A., um, uh, you may have noticed that back in the 1960s and 70s, there was a horrible smog problem in L.A., and we created uh, our whole system of environmental regulation for automobiles, which for the most part uh, solved a lot of that problem. Yeah, largely banning cars would issues. solve the problem. So, yeah, we can do that, Glenn, if that's what you'd prefer. Totally do it. But he gets goes through how, oh, all these cities, that's where all this pollution is. And in San Francisco, they shit in the streets and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, Glenn, pollution is where the people are. Uh, there's Denver. no pollution in fucking Columbia, Montana Missouri. Has, Montana has really clean air because there's like three people and a goat. Like. See, I was going to go with uh, Jefferson City or Columbia, Missouri because, tie back to the beginning, there's no fucking people there. But he has this weird chart that comes out of nowhere and doesn't really connect very well to any of the stuff he was talking about previously. It just says the decoupling of economic growth and resource consumption, which shows that real GDP has uh, continued to drastically increase even while consumption of aluminum, nickel, copper, steel, and gold have stayed about level. And, you know, if you were only able to have the resources you have in an average survival game where you have to craft all of your own materials and gear, then yeah, sure, maybe that would make sense. But for, don't forget, Glenn, P 
people are a commodity too under this fucking capitalist mm-hmm. hellscape. And then we get Rashida Resistance with another fucking. I feel like you're being so fucking quiet. I am. I'm. I'm trying to get you <laughs> to meditate quicker. Yeah. You're just <laughs> meditating through the end of this fucking. I, I know. I've kept us on here. I don't want to. For a long kind of my fucking fault time. Telling the Italian restaurant story. So. Yes, that's true. But Rashida Resistance cuts back in with another tweet. Says, "Okay, Glenn Beck, let's move on. I see. There is no way I can m dash." As though you can interrupt someone tweeting, yeah, yeah. he comes back with, wait, I'm not done yet. Glenn, that's not how tweets The work. conceit of this book is based around tweets. It and really is. If you wanted to do this, you could have done it any other way. It's your book. <laughs> and I know Glenn Beck knows how Twitter works. He Does he imagine he went to Rashida Resistance's house and grabbed her phone, typed the M dash at the end there, and then hit tweet? Is that how this works? I, I would have liked this more if it was just all Glenn Beck just writing in tweets. Just like but it every, is. Each that one of is these. what this book I, is. I know it is, but I wish they designed it like a tweet storm for every chapter. <laughs> it would have been great. Just like cutting himself oh. off halfway through sentences. Like, like Donald Trump's future memoir. It would have oh. been, listen, it would have been better edited than this book. <laughs> Yeah, when it's limited to 280 characters, you really have to pay attention to what Listen, you're typing. Also, the other thing is... Plus, if he did it on his phone, he'd have autocorrect. If he did it on his phone, he'd have autocorrect. Yeah. So that would have solved so many of the problems. Most, most of these chapters could have been like a five-tweet tweet storm. At most. <laughs> yeah. But then, he says, after interrupting Rashida Resistance, the fact is, politicians and bureaucrats are using climate change as an excuse to control every aspect of your life and then we just get these last couple pages of the chapter i have to imagine all these sentences i'm about to read you were were meant to be read in the scary movie announcer voice that's what they are because he goes through and says during cnn september 2019 climate crisis town hall presidential hopeful andrew yang talked about creating economic incentives to help shape our system when responding to a question about curbing red meat intake in America. And then, Senator Kamala Harris. At, fuck, I said her name wrong. God damn it. <laughs> Try again. Glenn Beck would say it wrong, so. Yeah. And then, Senator Kamala Harris, after apologizing for enjoying a cheeseburger from time to time, talked about creating incentives and promoting moderation in America's diet. Harris then said she would favor changing the food pyramid and dietary guidelines to reflect calls to reduce meat consumption. It's all that melodramatic attempt to make all this mealy-mouthed, pithy bullshit seem like an assault on America by the heart of socialism itself. It's so pathetic. Yeah, it's, it's extremely dumb. It, it's I, just it, it like and uh, there was a there was a flare up around that again recently about like Biden banning burgers, which just turned out to be not true at all. No, um, and they get themselves into a lather every time they say that they're coming for the barbecue. Like, yeah, and he jumps. Here's my thing, uh, Benedict. Don't bury the lead is a common phrase mm-hmm. among uh, people who who write a lot, right? Don't bury the lead. Yep. Put your big stuff up front. Yeah, right? that's what that means. People don't read for a long time. Ex- they read the exactly. first couple paragraphs. Don't bury exactly. So after a page and a half of talking about how all these socialists want to take away your meat, he then says they want a new population control. Great. Why'd you bury the fucking lead, Glenn? Why did you bury the fucking lead? 
he goes right into saying that there's all these groups, AOC and others, who want to, uh, here's, here's actually the quote he says, labeling, he's talking about uh, uh, some study or some shit, labeling economic and population growth as important drivers of increases in CO2 emissions. The letter goes on to state that, quote, the world population must be stabilized and ideally gradually reduced. That's so fucking sad. Yeah. Because this is the same shit. Like, I've heard Alex Jones scream about how they want to sterilize and how they are sterilizing you through, I don't know, fluoride in the water or whatever bullshit he says it is today. That's lit. That's just straight up conspiracy theory bullshit. Yeah. And Glenn Beck knows he can't say they're sterilizing you with fluoride in the water, even though he desperately wants to say that. Mm -hmm. But he can say they want to sterilize you or heavily imply that yeah. they want to well, sterilize what, you. What he's doing is saying that he wants people, the government wants people to have more abortions, right? That's that, that, And I think he explicitly says that. Yes, that's like, the next. Okay, so we get that big splash page of bullshit that's dumb. just an out of context. I don't even know if this was a quote from the chapter or if it's just random this time. He says, it, the, the big splash page says, it's incredible how often new fears about the environment work oh so perfectly with the leftist ideas of the past. And then Glenn, with a thought bubble, saying, probably just a coincidence. That took up two fucking pages. Yep. That was two fucking pages. But on the very next page, referring to that same letter I was talking about before, he writes, quote, The letter suggests reducing worldwide fertility rates by simply expanding family planning services yeah. and achieving full gender equity for women or put more bluntly we need more abortions to save the planet that is not what that means at all no that's not um, what the fuck it's, that it's means like access to the like condoms and the pill that you're trying yep. to stop people from getting yeah yep. that, argue... that people shouldn't <laughs> have to give them to them on their health care plans so and I, w I would argue that the full gender equity line i didn't bother to look up this uh letter that he's talking about because at this point in the chapter i'm just like i'm so fucking yep. done with this bullshit uh but that full gender equity line what that comes to mind for me and what i imagine it probably was referring to is when women have more responsibility in society more ability to go to college get educated work uh they're less likely to choose to have children and that is the height of evil for glenn beck mm -hmm. but women having the freedom to choose not to have children and live other lifestyles that is just the most evil thing he can possibly imagine and then just the rest of this page is just uh, citing some Georgetown University study where they had a list of different population control policies that they ranked based on how moral they might be. He doesn't mm -hmm. talk about where certain things rank, but he brings up that they discussed uh, <laughs> certain policies. I have to imagine that the authors didn't particularly recommend the ones that he's bringing up because they sound the worst but like the use of mass media and public awareness campaigns to convince people to not have as many kids like that's that's not fucking evil man that's just no but again it, it goes back to i think this one not so much the john birch stuff but this one i think maybe has more to do with just the the social conservatism and maybe the mormonism and religious fundamentalism of glenn beck and the connection he has to like all these movements that are you know the the quiverful movement which is an evangelical movement in the united states where evangelicals need to have as many kids as possible so that it can take over the world or whatever the fuck they think they're gonna do with that shit but it's scary that he 
it's not scary the things that these people are saying like you know doing studies about population control that's not scary glenn's reaction is scary to yeah, me yeah because the reaction it, it, it's very conspiracy driven but i will as i always do read the final paragraph of the chapter benedict i know you're so happy which I reads am. quote in a free society, these moral questions are left to individuals who can choose whether to have children based on any criteria they want, including crazy environmental fears and doomsday scenarios. But under a socialist system, such decisions are inevitably put in the hands of the collective and the people they put in positions of power. Given all the insane things the left has said in recent years about population control efforts, this shouldn't just concern you, it should terrify you. If it doesn't, it's time to get your head examined. End of chapter eight of Arguing Thank with Socialists. And that last little bit there, Benedict, I just have to comment before you kill me. That last little bit there, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Where Glenn Beck, everything he's brought up, all this population control stuff, all these people talk about, it's like, well, you know, all the things we would do would have to be totally voluntary because obviously that's the only moral choice to put in place a system like this. And that's probably why that group did a study talking about what are, you know, morally acceptable ways of population control versus ones that aren't. They ranked it based on the amount of compulsion that was involved. But Glenn's overarching argument about related back to the worldwide massive communist conspiracy is they might talk about letting you choose what you want, but in the end, <laughs> they're going to force you because that's what socialism is about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right good fun well i'm glad that's over <laughs> i'm sorry it was a long episode but it's fine. Uh, it wasn't that long i'm sorry no, i'm sorry to you i'm not yeah, sorry to okay. the listener no they, Although they I, know what they signed up for i am aware when we go over an hour um that time over the the, the last hour of the show we're not at our peak anymore no no, I'm very much a, a first hour kind of guy. Being the, being the person who edits all of our shows, so I have to be there the first time and then listen to them again. I'm aware that we have a tapering off yeah. when we get to about 59 like, minutes. Oh my God, please. <laughs> <laughs> Staggering towards the finish line. Like literally just me running a marathon. Like I've twisted my ankle at mile 16 oh. and I'm determined to finish. Like stumbling, uh, stumbling it's across, okay. headbutting okay. someone tie. as I fall can, across the line. You can tie for the gold medal now. You can tie for the gold medal. True, I saw yeah. that. That's something true. for something for Ben Shapiro to scream about. But oh, yeah. anyways, thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, which I should mention. I know we didn't have one last month because of the bar exam. We're going to be doing one coming up soon. Promise. Shoutouts on the show, drawings to win our copies, the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, C. David, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, I'm not asking for forgiveness for what I've done. I'm asking forgiveness for what I'm about to do. Goodbye.
The Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com. Hello and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them. I almost said you read them. <laughs> you read them because we're fucking sick of this. You have to do it now. <laughs> That's the outtake this week. <laughs>